you are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. All right, today I am joined by the host of Locked On Cubs. He also tells jokes for a living. It is Joe Kilgallen. How are you doing, Joe? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on. It should be fun. No worries. Um, you, you sent out a tweet last week that said the Cubs are definitely sellers now, and you, you listed some names that were going to be available, and I was like, I want to talk about potentially making some trades. But before we get into that, I do want to just ask, what has gone wrong for the Cubs the last two weeks because currently they have lost 11 straight they're they're winning right now I, I thought I saw five nothing as we're recording but uh they, they're currently on an 11 game losing streak what's going on what what changed really well it's five to three now so who knows oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um what has gone wrong oh where do I start where do I begin what is hilarious to me about this Cubs 11 game skid is it's on the heels of a combined no-hitter. They no-hit the Dodgers and then haven't won a game since then. I think the biggest thing with the Cubs, though, the starting pitching was always going to be a question mark. When they really started to take off uh, beginning of May through even the first 10 days of June, I think they started June like 8-4, and what was key was that they had some role players, some unsung heroes, as I was calling them, guys like Nico Horner, who's now back in the lineup. He ended up getting injured. Matt Duffy, Patrick Wisdom got hot. There were some of these role players who were diversifying the lineup. The Cubs these last few years have been way too strikeout heavy. I mean, just I think they're 27th in the league right now, but for the month of June, they were number one or, or 30th. They rank 30th in uh all of baseball as far as strikeout rate goes, that's bad. You don't want to be 30th. And um, and so that when what happens is when they face good pitchers, they're easy to game plan for. Because again, the, the hitter profiles are just too similar. Javi, Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, Ian Happ. These are high strikeout guys. I mean, Chris Bryant's cut it down a little bit where he's probably around league average. But it, there'd be times where of our starting eight position players, Anthony Rizzo was the only guy who was considered a good contact hitter. And you just can't have that. And then the starting pitching went by the wayside. Jake Arrieta's completely lost it. The bullpen was overworked, so that caught up with them because the starting rotation was so poor that often we'd go to the bullpen in the fifth inning. I remember thinking to myself, you know, if we got into the playoffs, we could really shorten games because our bullpen is so good, like the Royals in 2015. But now it's just, it's uh, it's over. And it's, it's sad for Cubs fans because this has been the best era of Cubs baseball in our lifetimes. So that, that leads me to two different questions. I'll go with first. You, you tweeted out that the Cubs are probably sellers. Is that basically common knowledge? Is that what's being talked about around Chicago is the Cubs are now sellers or is there still like, Hey, if they get, if they win seven in a row, you know, starting tonight, will they become buyers or is it like, no, they're going to sell because the writing's on the wall at this point. The writing's on the wall at this point that they're going to sell. They traded you Darvish in the offseason, and you know people were trying to say, oh, well, they're still trying to compete, though. They're going to look toward the future with that trade. It was a money move. The ownership was crying poor. 
which I'm sure you could uh, relate to. Yes. <laughs> and it, it angered a lot of people because you Darvish was uh, on the heels of a runner up for the Cy Young probably should have won it. We all know Trevor Bauer was probably using some sticky icky and to just trade him like that just made zero sense to anyone. He had three more years left on a very affordable deal. 20 million per is all he's making for a top end rotation guy. It's a pretty good deal in modern times. So I made everyone think, all right, well, the Cubs kind of took on this major league attitude, like from the movie major league where they were going to try to win in spite of ownership, because we all, all the Cubs fans, we believe that the ownership wants to rebuild for whatever reason. They don't want to spend money. They want to go cheap. They're going to use the pandemic as a, a reason to rebuild and act like, Oh, we're trying to recuperate costs. So yes, the Cubs are open for business. And I, the Oakland A's have always been like my second favorite team. I read the book Moneyball before the movie, before it was popular. <laughs> I like Michael Lewis as an author. He wrote Liar's Poker, which is a good book in the big short. And I was on the A's in Little League. And I, I remember being like, they're the only team that wears green. And I'm Irish. So I was like, there should be more teams that were green. And <laughs> then my dad told me about Reggie Jackson in the 70s. And, you know, the Bash brothers were cool. So I would gladly like to help you guys out. I would thoroughly appreciate that. But before we get into the, the actual trades, as a Cubs fan, is it more frustrating that they started off hot and looked like they could be contenders or is it just, and now they're going to probably have to sell, or would you have rather them have been bad the entire time and not get your hopes up at all? No, because I mean, some fans do that where they're like, if I knew they were going to blow it in September, I wish they would have just blown it in June. I could have not wasted my summer. I'm like, no, it's enjoy the ride. You got to enjoy the ride. I had a great time watching them play super. They were playing great baseball too against really good teams. They swept the Mets in mid May. Mm -hmm. Then they took five out of six from San Diego. They won the season series with the Dodgers winning four of seven. Uh, the Giants beat us around pretty good. We, we've beaten the crap out of the Cardinals. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed the ride. It's It was disappointing, though, of course, because, again, there's an emotional attachment to a lot of these players because they were part of the team that broke the curse. I'm using quotations, everyone listening, because I don't really believe in curses. And, yeah, it's, it's a shame. It really is a shame because I was really hoping that they would prove the doubters wrong and that they were good for one last hurrah. And they were going to put – I wanted them to put – the front office and ownership to a position in which they were going to have to be buyers. Cause I remember everyone saying in the off season, they're just going to trade everyone at the deadline. And I go, well, if we're in first place, they can't trade people. And we were, we we're in first place 11 days ago when we've lost 11 <laughs> in a row since. So it is heartbreaking. I've gone through the five stages of grief with it. I think I'm at acceptance. I say that now, but I'll, I'll go back and forth between anger and bargaining. <laughs> <laughs> One at the same time, they, this core group of guys that you've watched for years now has provided you at least some final memories, some good memories. If they are going to be traded, there's been some good times the last couple of months as well. So that's kind of, that's gotta be nice as opposed to the postseason exit last year where there's just no offense. And then if they had just fallen flat this year, you're like, all right, well that last two years kind of sucked, but it's a little bit better from my perspective. And for me, if the A's are bad, all I want, I want them to be entertaining. That's all that I want. Just give me an entertaining series. Uh, if they beat the Astros a whole bunch of times when they're a bad team, that's great. I would prefer them to do it when they're good as well, but eh, you know, uh, but that's just where I come from. Just entertain me for the summer. I'm going to watch the games. So just put on a nice show. That's all that I hope for. I agree. I agree. I'm like you. I'm always going to watch the games, though. I'm starting to think I need to boycott actually attending the games because I feel like 
Cubs fans need to send a message because we have the highest ticket prices in baseball. So if they go into this offseason without spending, and it's not like it, it's a rebuild that needs to happen. They only have like $45 million in committed payroll, which, you know, for a team that had been flirting around the $200 million mark the last six years, that is, that's nothing. They, they could easily rebuild and spend at the same time, which is a luxury only a handful of teams have, and the Cubs should take advantage of that with a loyal fan base. So with the, the Cubs kind of being on – the end of their run right now and the Chicago White Sox on the upswing has the narrative changed at all or are there like two tribes and you don't switch tribes at all because I know in the Bay Area there's some people that go back and forth I know that in New York some people go back and forth how is it in Chicago in Chicago you don't you do not go back and forth you really don't and every now and then when I meet someone I'll come across people on Twitter I'll meet someone in real life who says I'll root for the Sox. They go, I like the Cubs more, but I'll root for the Sox. And I, my next question is, where are you from? Because I know the answer is not Chicago. I know they weren't actually born and raised in the city. Because if you were born and raised in the city, and I'm not against people moving here, obviously, my, my mom isn't <laughs> from here. My grandparents aren't from here. So I'm not like one of those, hey, this is my city. Leave. Go back to the Burbs or Michigan or wherever you move from. But it really is. It's like a sacred thing. When I was a, a young kid, my dad said, we're from the north side of Chicago. We root for the Cubs. People on the South side root for the White Sox. That's just how it goes. And way back in the day when the Chicago had two NFL teams, the South side rooted for the Cardinals, the North side rooted for the Bears. That's just how that goes. And when I meet people who root for both, I know right away, I'm like, you aren't from here, which is fine, (laughs) but you need to admit that. So I know, um, so I can explain it to you why. Because growing up, Sox fans have a stepchild-like thing in the city of Chicago. When the Cubs get way more attention and our ballpark sells out more and all, we get more national attention and all this kind of stuff. You, I remember meeting White Sox fans growing up. They'd be like, Hey, what'd the Cubs do today? Uh, or no, I would say to them, I go, Oh, you're a Sox fan. Did they win? Cause I legitimately didn't know. Like, did you guys win or lose today? They'd go, Oh, we lost, but the Cubs still suck. And I'm like, okay, I didn't, we're not talking about the Cubs. I asked you about the White Sox. The Cubs live rent free in their heads. They really do. Uh, that's fantastic. I I've known both sides, you know, A's and giants that have done that. Uh, I worked with a guy who the giants, you know, the last few years have not been good. And the giants would beat the A's like their one time out of six tries. I'm like, Oh, now who's better. I'm like, you lost five out of six. They're still terrible. Shut up. Um, so (laughs) let's talk more about this rebuild real quick. Are they going full rebuild and just starting from the studs, getting like single a double a talent, or are they going to try and, you know, uh, I've heard uh, Rizzo is a potential re-sign candidate. Javi Baez, potentially. I've also heard Contreras as another option. Are those guys likely to be re-signed? And then you kind of retool with trade pieces from like AAA or, and you know, hit free agency. What What is the vibe right now? What What is the Ricketts plan currently? Well, I could tell you the vibe and what the fans think because nobody knows. The beat <laughs> reporters aren't sure. It really is. It's funny. Listen, listeners, I am a lockdown expert, but I couldn't tell you. That's what's been so frustrating from a fan's point of view. So with Rizzo, he has been like the face of the franchise. Bryant's been better over the course of the last, you know, six, seven years. But Rizzo was the first move of the Theo Epstein era. Theo Epstein was hired just after the World Series in 2011. So 2012 was his first season. First move he makes is uh, trading Andrew Kashner for Anthony Rizzo. Turned out like a great trade. Kashner was a nice arm, but couldn't stay healthy and all that kind of stuff. So he's been kind of like this guy that's been here since 2012. 
Fans love him. He's incredibly charitable. He's donated millions and millions of dollars to, to cancer research and children's hospitals. He visits the children's hospital. Like you couldn't ask for a better representation of your franchise. And in late in the spring, there was talks of the extension negotiations and the numbers got leaked, what the Cubs were offering. And he, his team was mad. They thought it was a low ball offer. It was something like four, five years, 70 million, which comes up to 14 million per year. And Rizzo is making 16 million. So it's like, you want me to sign an extension for a pay cut after all I've done. And he signed a team friendly deal last time when he was like in his second year or so, they kind of bought up his arbitration seasons on the cheap. So I kind of understand where he's coming from a little bit. It's like, what more do I need to do? Like he gave the owner the last out. He caught the last out of the 2016 world series. Famously put the ball in his back pocket before they started like jumping up and down on the mound. And then at the Cubs parade, he handed the ball over to the owner. So like this guy is such a class act and he's still, I mean, his, his OPS now is a little below 800. He hasn't had the best year, but I think he's been kind of distracted with all this. Uh, what's going to happen with Anthony Rizzo type of thing. You know, I think that, I think he's kind of taken it personally because it's like, what more do I need to do for you guys to value what I've already given you and all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen there, but Wilson Contreras does have an extra year. Like you said, Chris Bryant, everyone thinks because he's a Boris con- uh, Boris client, I should say, is probably on his way out. And next to Kimbrell is probably our best trade chip. Javi's heating up a little bit. That That's what we just don't know. Part the, I wouldn't be surprised if Cubs ownership was like, don't trade any of these guys. Offer them qualifying offers. If they say no, we got draft picks, but keep them on the team because we got a lot of tickets to sell in August and September. That's what I think could happen. I could definitely see the last home game in September being a sellout because fans will show up to say goodbye to the big three being Bryant, Baez, and Contreras. That's ridiculous. I Billionaires. Um, Don't we so, wish? I had a friend bring yeah. this up once. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, you're good. I was, I've been thinking about this recently. A friend of mine said every city should own the team. Because the cities basically pay for the stadiums anyway and all that kind of stuff. And then they could just elect or hire a board of directors to kind of run the team, similar to what the Green Bay Packers do. And that because why do we he was his whole point was like, why do we need owners? And and I'm like, are we getting into like a government thing here? Conspiracy? What what, what are we going? You know, I I didn't know where the conversation was going. I thought we were just talking about baseball. But the more and more I think about it, the better it would be. It would be because if if the cities own the team, I feel like there wouldn't be such a cheapness involved. Because you would the, the books would be there, you'd you'd know what the team's profiting and all that. People would run on, hey, elect me to city council. I'll turn around the Oakland A's. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of an interesting thing, especially since they don't pay for these stadiums anyway. Us taxpayers do, so we might as well tax let the taxpayers own the team. Basically, I never wanted to get into politics, but I might have to now. Hey, it's me. Just wanted to butt in real quick. Joe and I are going to start talking about uh, potential trades between the A's and the Cubs. So that's coming up for you guys in just a minute. But today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cutting pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All other nicotine pouches are dry white pouches. Nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded. 
fully loaded chew is offering and locked on A's listeners a special offer right now you can try a can for one dollar that's right just one dollar go to www.fullyloadedchew.com and use promo code locked on just one dollar in free shipping if you use the code locked on at checkout the next time you go for a dip make it a fully loaded chew This episode is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain stores to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money while using Rock Auto because... Traditional retail stores will charge you 30, 50, or even 100% more than they do at Rock Auto. And Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers online for over 20 years. And Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? And let them know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And before I send it back to my conversation with Joe Kilgallen of Locked On Cubs, uh, just a quick reminder that you can follow the show wherever you like hearing podcasts. You can follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter and in the Spotify green room. And if you're listening to this on Thursday, I'm going live on Thursday today for game three of the A's and Astros series. Hopefully the A's don't get swept because that would be uh, tragic. So uh, yeah, come and join me on there if you want to. You can also email us any questions to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. But without further ado, here's some more of my conversation with Joe of Locked On Cubs. Okay, so you've mentioned a few guys that are available. How deep is this teardown going? You mentioned Kimbrell and Bryant. How deep are they going if they do end up selling? Well, I, that, I mean, it's, who would the, you trade? Let, the trade market has really changed. Yeah. It's tough. Like, you, I know, I'm sorry. I kind of dodged the question before is like, are we going <laughs> to right now? The Cubs have a lot of arms at the AAA level that are considered stud bullpen pieces. I, and that, we had a stretch going where we were getting injuries, but then we were just replacing with guys who were coming up looking good, throwing 98 with a lot of spin. So who knows if it was legit now. And, uh, but there are some arms down the, but their best prospects. Currently, Brennan Davis is the best prospect. He's in double A's just turned 21. So he's even young for double a, and he's kind of on fire right now, but people still project him to be next season, June of 2022. So there's not really any position players that are currently knocking on the door, banging the door down, being like, let me take over third for Brian. Let me take over first for Rizzo. So as far as position players go, we're, you know, if they do tear it down to the studs, they're going to lose 100 games next year because there's nobody. They'll, they'll sign one-year deals like Jose Iglesias will be our shortstopper. Who you know? It's so I can't really even give you a good answer there. But I think for a guy like Kimbrel, if 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 Oakland and Houston, those are the two rumored teams to be going after Kimbrel. You guys in Houston, if we play you off of each other, I don't know your top prospect. I think is a catcher. We're kind of deep at catcher right now. Yeah, so I you don't might know that they'd want to trade him for a rental either. He's yeah, that really, too. Well, really actually, Kimbrel has an option for next year, but it's what fifteen million dollar option. Yeah, so the, the A's would hopefully trade that option as opposed to just paying him the buyout. They would hopefully just trade him to another contender, like hey Yankees, you want him here, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's similar to what process. you guys did with Samarja when we traded yeah. Samarja to Oakland. 
you guys had him for two months and then flipped him in the off season. So, I mean, got Marcus you guys are clever like for that. six or seven years. And uh, also uh, Chris Bassett. So it's worked out for him. Okay. That little two month rental that they ended up trading. So obviously starting pitcher and reliever different markets, but you know, still. Sure. But you um, know, we've got Andrew Chafe in our setup, man. He's been great. He'll probably, if a team comes calling for him, I think everyone's available. I think, I think Jed Hoyer, our, our president of baseball operations is making the phone calls. He's taking any phone call. Kyle Hendricks, who has a couple more years left and is our de facto ace. He's a really, really good pitcher. He's available. I'm sure I, it's, it's God, I hate talking about this. It's not so heartbreaking. <laughs> Welcome to my fandom. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to get tips. I, I think in our, in our lockdown MLB group chat, I kind of said, do you guys have any tips? And the Pirates fan immediately was like, I've got some tips for you. <laughs> the two guys that really stick out, obviously Baez would be nice, but if he's somebody that the Cubs think that they can re-sign and the A's don't necessarily want to come to the, that high of a bar on replacing Elvis Andres because he started to hit dingers. Now he's got two in the last week. He has two on the season now. Um, so I don't know that he would be necessarily a guy that the A's would go after with his high strikeout rate, but Bryant and Kimbrell are the two guys where you can plug Bryant into right or left field and then switch around, you know, Canna and Loriano and then Kimbrell, obviously you just have them closing. And I think that that would bolster the bullpen. So what kind of a return do you think you're going for? Like how many top 100 prospects? Cause the A's have one and I don't know that they would trade him. How many guys, like what's the kind of return you're going for? I, if, if in that case, since you guys only have one top 100, if we're talking about for Bryant, I think for Kimbrell, they're looking for a top 50 prospect. Ooh, okay. Buster only, John Heyman, a few other big wigs in the world of baseball reporting. They say that among MLB executives, that Kimbrell is the number one trade target for, for a lot of competitive teams. You know, can never have enough bullpen help, of course. I think they want at least one top 50 prospect they could build around if we're talking with the A's since you guys only have one and it's at a position the Cubs are pretty deep with at catcher. I mean, we have Miguel Amaya, who's a double a guy who, if we don't extend Contreras, which I hope we do. And then Amaya can become trade bait. Cause I love Wilson Contreras. Uh, you know, I don't really think we want, we might not want, so we might go for quantity over quality mm-hmm. and do what we did similar with the U Darvis trade in which we took 14, four, I almost said 14 year olds for 18 year olds. It'd be weird if we were getting freshmen in high school. I mean, that's a serious rebuild right there, but we took, and a couple of these guys were internationally ranked at one point, but they weren't in the Padres top 10 prospects. I think that's what bump people are too. It wasn't, I think these guys could end up being very, very good. And of the four prospects we got from San Diego, if two of them become all-stars, then yeah, that trade worked out for both sides. Really can't complain too much there other than we didn't need to trade them. It was just a cheap move. It's, it was upsetting to fans though. Cause you want that number. You want to hear baseball prospectus has them ranked here. Fangrass have them ranked here. All that. I think with Oakland, if you guys had some, even some triple a guys who were on the cusp, who were, could be very good major leaguers that could help. Um, the Cubs have been pretty confident in their pitching infrastructure lately. So maybe they might see an arm that they think they could turn into something. But right now, I think with Kimbrell, they're going to try to shoot for the moon and get the best possible package. And that hopefully includes at least one top 50 prospect with rentals. It's a little different these days. I think Javi, you guys could probably have for maybe obviously your number one prospect top 100. But if you give up like two of your top 10 prospects, Javi look is is a dynamic player. He plays insanely I would love to see him in green and gold, too. He would be so good in Oakland is the thing. But 
He's fun. Is he going to make a difference is, is my question. So that's, that's the thing. I don't know. I, I would have to look at your lineup a little bit better to know, but with it would really make your infield defense elite yeah. elite because mm-hmm. he is uh, unbelievable. And he, he's got 21 home runs. He's on pace for like almost 40 home runs and 110 RBIs. If you still go by old school counting stats, like an RBI, but he, I mean, he has a knack. He does have a knack for the big moment. You know, he does crazy stuff. He gets in rundowns between home and first. Like he, <laughs> you know, everyone talks about a stupid play that was by the first baseman and it was epically stupid. But as Cubs fans were like, no, Javi just does weird stuff like that. So it wasn't even that surprising to us because he gets into rundowns in different spots and he's stolen home a few times in cool ways. He's just that guy. And you batted him seventh where you don't care about his on-base percentage and just let him hit. He's a guy that can get hot and really carry you for, for a week or two. That's what he, he's been known to do. I would thoroughly enjoy all of that. Uh, the follow-up to, I guess, all three of these guys, I've only looked up the salary for uh, Bryant and Kimbrell. Bryant would be owed roughly $6.5 the rest of the way, and Kimbrell, 5.3. How much of that money would the Cubs be eating? Because I don't know that the A's would you know, add almost $12 million to their payroll, but would the Cubs eat half to get a better prospect return? The A's have a lot of AAA outfielders that have a lot of tools. They just don't have a, a role on the A's currently. And they've got uh, some very highly rated defensive middle infielders in double A. So there, there are some talented guys that I think could be nice for the Cubs. I just don't know that they're, you know, the highly rated guys because the A's generally don't get highly rated guys, but they keep, con- you know, they keep contending every year. So uh, they're yeah. doing something right. So much respect for that team. So Javi would only be owed a couple million more than because I believe his contract is about 10 million on the year so you've probably the last yeah. two months it, they would they would gladly i believe eat a few million of whoever they're dealing because like i said i don't know if i mentioned this i, I was on another podcast talking the cubs payroll is only 155 so they cut 60 million in the offseason they were at about 210 last year and it was prorated 210 you know they played only paid 60 games worth of that 210 million or 211 million doesn't matter i know they were slightly over the luxury tax which they made the biggest deal about. And um, well, it's just funny because they have such high ticket prices. They just started a new network. They're, they're crying poor to a lot of people's dissatisfaction. They would though, they would gladly, if, if the Oakland was like, we'll throw in another prospect or two for you guys to take this money. The Cubs would gladly do that and stock your vending machines. So <laughs> I would thoroughly really okay appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, that is all of the questions that I have trade related. I do have one more baseball related question, and that is who's the better looking man, Matt Olson or Chris Bryant? Oh man, what a teaser. You're going to have to sit through this to get to find out what we think about these two absurdly attractive men. But before you hear about that, and also I ask him some questions about his comedy career because uh, that's fascinating to me. Uh, I know a little bit about comedy, so we we bantered about that for a little bit. Uh, and also the attractiveness of Chris Bryant and Matt Olson. But uh, before we get into any of that, today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online, and Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to place a bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all of the action over at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, the NFL. The NHL just wrapped up last night, so the NFL is now supplanting the NHL in my ad copy. And then you also have all of your UFC or MMA action. So before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the 
great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams continue their quest for championships. The A's quest is dimming a little bit, but if you think that they're going to go out and make a big move, put some money down on the Oakland Athletics to reign supreme in the American League, or at least the AL West. Oh, pick, pick which one you think is going to happen. So head on over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. And that's why everybody says the bet online are your online sportsbook experts. And now here's the rest of my conversation with Joe Kilgallen of Locked On Cubs. Matt Olson is a handsome man. I would say Chris Bryant. I think he's a bit taller. How tall is Matt Olson? He's like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he, he's a tall yeah, guy. Chris Bryant's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Okay. Pretty piercing blue eyes there. I but know, I do without think a hat, he, though, is the thing. I, I, the, I've seen him without the hat, and I'm like, not as good. He looks great with the hat on. Matt Olson, know, he's one of those reverse. Guys, yeah, you know, we got Patrick Wisdom now that all the female Cubs fans are just fawning over. He's got a, a heck of a jawline on that young man. <laughs> I think... It's tough. It's tough, though. Chris Bryant in the baseball uniform, I think, is probably a little bit better. But you're right, Chris. I was going to say before you, before you mentioned how without the hat on, Chris looks like he uh, might be getting a little thin. Um, Ooh, okay. His forehead's getting a little bit bigger. Matt I'm Olson not... actually was saying that his hair, uh, it stays in place and he has to keep it in, you know, uh, going because he feels like it's thinning a little bit. But every time he takes off his hat, his hair is just perfect. And it's ridiculous how... I don't know how he does that. I grew up with curly hair. I have no idea, but I'm amazed yeah, by it. <laughs> Bryce Harper's like that. He's got that Bryce Harper hair where you, he takes the helmet off and you're like, what, why does it look so great? What are you doing? <laughs> All right. So uh, just real quick, you are also a comedian. You have a YouTube channel. Uh, what is the YouTube channel for the people listening? It's youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen. And that's Kilgallen spelled K-I-L-G-A-L-L-O-N. And I've got nearly... Three hours of stand-up comedy on there, a couple full hours, and a ton of clips. I was watching some clips before we got going, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a great time. Um, I also you. did stand-up for six to eight months. I was like, let's give this a shot. I went to a comedy college out in San Francisco, and there is no better rush than having the entire room just in the palm of your hand and laughing at whatever you want to say. And, uh, you know, obviously... I did like a 10 minute set and it was like stacked with family. So they all knew when they were going to laugh at whatever I said, but it was still the best feeling. The worst feeling is when nobody makes a sound. How do you do it? Oh my God. I, that's my, why stand up comedy and how do you deal with the highs and the lows? I guess is my question. Well, you almost have to be like a closer in a way, like in baseball, you just have to forget about the bad night and get back out there, get back on the bump. And that's not a cocaine reference. And it's <laughs> the thing is, I don't know why stand up every now and then I think to myself <laughs> after good shows, I have this reflection because after bad shows, I very much have this thing where it's like, when can I get back on stage? I have a show tomorrow. I got a show tomorrow. I'll be fine. Here's what, here's what could go right. Because it's another thing too, that people don't quite realize you could have this do the same set nine times in a row, but then that 10th time it bombed. The previous nine times you destroyed, you killed, everyone loved you. They wanted to carry you off like you won the championship. But then that 10th time you do the same jokes and it doesn't work. And it often it is. Sometimes it is the audience, you know, uh, in, in show business and entertainment, they always say never blame the audience. And that's more of like a mental thing because you never want to have that, that thing in your the back of your head where you're like, oh, it's not me. It's the audience. Cause then people use that as a crutch. So you don't want that. 
But why wouldn't an audience be terrible every now and then? This is a group of strangers being brought together. Of course, they're going to be bad sometimes. And yet you had that. There'll be an occasion where they're, they're weird for whatever reason, or, or maybe you did rush your jokes a little bit. You, you flubbed a line and you just couldn't get into momentum. It all happens. But I try to just get back on that horse. But with good sets, I do reflect every now and then being like, I can't believe I do this for a living. I get paid to tell jokes to people. That's so weird. I was a guy who wanted to write. I was a big um, comedy movies fan. And I remember thinking to myself, I kind of want to write like a screenplay and, and that'd be kind of a cool thing. Cause whenever I'd watch like comedy TV series or even movies, I, I would look to see who wrote it. Cause I'm like, that's the real funny person. The person who wrote the words that everyone else is just saying. And of course the actors are good too. And then I went, I dropped out of college at that point when I realized I was, you know, I wasn't into college. I, I didn't know what I wanted to major in. And then I went to second city, which is pretty famed here in Chicago. And, you know, it's nationally known for sketch writing and improv classes. I figured I'd take an improv class too. From the improv class, I met a dude who was like, I'm going to go to a stand-up comedy open. Like, you want to come? And I'm like, uh, yeah, let's try it. And then I was hooked. Absolutely. Like heroin. I was just, this is my drug now. And I wanted to do it all the time. And, you know, I just kept doing it. And then you, you know, people ask you to do their shows because they see it around and then you get in with the clubs and then, you know, some headliners like you and they take you on the road to open form a little bit. And then you do, you know, you just kind of, figure it out. And it, it's like a minor league system. You start off at low A and you kind of work your way up. And, um, and yeah, it's a, it's a weird world, a weird industry, but it's a lot of fun. It is an absolute grind. And I respect anybody who does the travel and all of that stuff, because not only is it, you know, physically grueling, you're away from home so often, but also the mental grind was what got me. And I was not doing it, you know, on a professional level by any means I was going to open mics and, you know, doing stuff like that. But just living in your head, trying to come up with something that would get a chuckle. And you're like, oh, this made me laugh. And then having that go out and bomb. And you're like, well, I'm never telling that joke ever again. And uh, it, it's it's rough. And I don't know that people understand the actual process. They feel like, hey, you go up there, you tell some jokes. But at the comedy college, I, and I don't necessarily like the comedy college anymore, but that's where I was. And it was like, watch the guys that you enjoy watching and see what they do that makes you laugh. And so there's been uh, stand-up specials like uh, John Mulaney is one that my wife and I can watch on repeat. And it's just the way that he pauses and then tells a joke. And then like that his hand motions or whatever he's doing, it's so precise and so well done. And you don't notice it until like the fourth or fifth watch and it's still making you laugh. And it, it's truly an art form and uh, kudos to you for, you know, doing all of that. Thank you. Yeah. And John Mulaney's from Chicago. He's, he's, he's great. This is something too, that some people might get a kick out of a lot of jokes. You know, you're talking about doing a joke at bombs and you're like, I'm never telling that again. There are so many jokes that are terrible the first few times. And then you kind of iron it out. You tweak a little bit. You're like, Oh, maybe I'll switch this part up here and get rid of that word. And you know, you just little things here or there could really take a joke that doesn't do well. And all of a sudden they do great. I've had that happen. I know I'm sure John Mulaney's had that happen. A lot of people where you're like, all right, um, that joke didn't. I remember one time I had a joke that didn't work well. And I said I was in the third grade. I changed it. To, I was in the sixth grade and it killed. And I'm like, that little <laughs> weird change. It's it's strange. That's the littlest thing, you know, you could change. And then all of a sudden people gravitate towards it for whatever reason. Sometimes I think that I would go insane because for from what I understand, at least getting back on stage and telling a joke with a, a different phrase or a different word or a different inflection on a different word here 
is basically all you're doing from set to set in different rooms, trying different things out. How maddening is that to go through the entire thing and just wait for this one second where you're like, this is what I changed. Let's see how it does. And you have to wait. I mean, sometimes if you're doing three, three shows a night, then it's okay. You can kind of test it out. But if you have to wait, you know, from Monday to Friday or something like that, what is that like? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's no shock to people that comedians have a lot of anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I like the challenge of it. I look forward to that aspect of it. I, you know, starting with the improv background that I had, I've never was part of an improv troupe or anything, but taking the classes did help me so much of being a good comedian is just being comfortable on stage. So when you do have a joke that doesn't quite land, you know how to pivot, you know how to, you know, reach for something, you feed off the energy of the crowd and yeah. And then you could turn a, a bad moment into a great moment, you know? So as far as like just itching, I can't wait to get up on stage and do that joke again. Yeah. The waiting, you know, it's Tom Petty. The waiting is the hardest part. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bummer sometimes. And then you got to occupy yourself with other things to do until you get your chance to go out there and get redemption. All right. Well, that is all that I have for you. Uh, do you have any questions for me about the A's or just in general that you want to get off your chest? You know, I went to a game in 2016 at the Coliseum. Still call that correct? Yes. I don't know if they had changed it for corporate reasons. I mean, they they like change that. like the the name before the Coliseum all the time. I don't even know what it is right now. It it in my head, it's always O.co, which is a stupid name, but it's O.co Coliseum. It, just call it the Coliseum. You'll always be fine. <laughs> Got gotcha, gotcha. I uh I like the I like the fans. I sat in right field and I remember the fans were holding were wearing shirts that said uh trade ownership or sell ownership (laughs) or something. And I was like, Oh man, it made me feel sad for them because do you think it would it would it break your heart about moving to Vegas or San Jose? Is there any truth to those rumors? There could be, we're going to see on July 20th. That is a, there's going to be a big vote with city council and going over the the term sheet and all that stuff. And uh, if that does not pass, then they're basically done in Oakland. If it does pass, then, Hey, we'll see what happens from here on out. We're going to drag it on for a little bit longer and, you know, string us along and all that stuff. Uh, today, there were some talks that didn't sound promising, like the A's not wanting to put money into uh, affordable housing and stuff like that. But that seems like it's negotiable as well. So the reporting is all over the place. And this is not my my strong suit in covering the A's. It is probably my worst strong suit, my least strong suit, if you will, um, just, well, I don't is, blame you. That's not a fun thing to, no, to it's dig not. into. I don't want to delve like, into my... it ever. And if they yeah. do leave, then I'm, I'll see what happens in the moment. Cause I mean, it's going to be hard. I don't necessarily, I don't think that it would be easy to root for them just because uh, they broke my heart in a different way than they usually do. And they're also not local anymore. So I can't like go to a game and it can't just be, you know, ironed out in that way. Uh, it'd be like, all right, well, there'd be like any other team in the country where I'm like, Hey, I like, you know, watching the Cubs, but I'm not going to their games. So how much am I actually maybe watch like six games? I don't know, but I do have the the fandom coming with me from the entirety of my life. So, uh, it would make it a little bit harder than, you know, tuning out Cubs games kind of thing, but yeah, it'd be hard to quit them, but I hope they stay. I really, my dad's uh, a big Oakland Raiders fan. He's a bears fan first and foremost. So then moving to Vegas kind of felt weird to him. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I, I liked, uh, the city of Oakland. I had a good time at the A's game. Everyone I met who was from around that area and who were Oakland A's fans seemed like really cool people. So I really hope that doesn't happen. And, you know, it's a city that a lot of money's around in that area. So I feel like they should be able to stay. Uh, yeah, I hope, I hope something works out. I, I appreciate that. Everybody wants the ace to stay, except for maybe the ownership. So that is basically the vibe that I've gotten is everybody wants them as long as it kind of works out for everybody. And it feels like it should be done, but I, how much of this is politics, how much of it's posturing, how much of it is for real. That's, that's the golden question right now. And nobody seems to really know what that is. Gotcha. So we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Uh, I do have one more question. Another. Really yes. quick one. Do Oakland ace fans still love Billy bean? I do. I enjoy him. Um, I like him a lot. I, I think that he's fantastic. I know that some people are like, ah, he's terrible. His, his stuff doesn't work and the A's never win. Get rid of him and stuff. But I'm like, eh. without him and the philosophy that he's brought in and, you know, uh, given to forced and all that stuff and the organization. And I don't know that they would be as much fun and be the team that we've grown up with like the last 20 years. I don't know that they would be the same team. So Sure. Some of it's, he's going to leave at some point soon. He almost left during the off season. He's still here because his other deal fell through, but uh, he's, he's going to be gone before too long. You don't need to kick him out the door. You can let him walk out. It's fine. Uh, he's still doing good stuff. It's that they don't spend money. That's if they spent $20 million more a year and got up to like 120, that's not necessarily where they are right now, but you know, if they got up to 120, I think that they would be a, very big force in the American league and possibly major league baseball, just because of how they operate and how they're able to just go out and get talent. Cause Cole Irvin, they got him for cash from the Phillies and he's been one of their better starters this year and they can just turn guys around and uh, you know, Matt Olson's turning it around. So they're fun Yeah. Team. I think he's done a phenomenal job. I feel like the Oakland A's have probably been in the playoffs, what, 10 times in the last 20 years with that low payroll and the playoffs are a crap shoot. It really, I feel you know, some fans forget. I've got there were Cubs fans who were like, "Well, even if we make the playoffs this year, we're just going to get bounced." I'm like, "Who good? Fine. I mean, not good, but like, fine. You got to take the chance." You gotta, I mean, I never felt like I never felt sorry for Braves fans when they went to the playoffs 14 <laughs> years in a row and only won one World Series. I thought that's cool. They get an extra month of baseball every year. That's got to be fun. It's a good time. And also, the Giants, uh, you know, the Cross Bay rivals we're never the best team in baseball in each of their three world series years. So you just kind of get hot at the right time and everything can work out. I'm starting to wonder, you know, the Astros can get hot in the playoffs too. There seems to be certain guys that can just turn on a switch when the, the lights are the brightest. And maybe that's something that they can work on. And maybe that's what Billy's missing. But other than that, I think he's doing a great job. I, I think that they uh, have some great, great, you know, talent and, generally they're only getting one game in a wild card game. So it's not like they have, you know, an entire series to, Oh, we're going to figure it out. It's like this one game or else you guys go home. And then that's what everybody's judged on. So uh, I would like a three game series like we had last year because the A's won that series. And that was lots of fun. And you beat the white Sox, So that yes. was very, very, they good. lost the first one and then won the other two, which seems to be <laughs> the, the absolute case for making the three game series. It's like, Oh, Hey, the one time that the A's get a, an actual series, they advanced. So, that's all. But uh, that is all that we got for you guys today. Uh, Joe, where can the people find you on social media and plug that YouTube channel one more time uh, on social media I'm at Joe Kilgallen on pretty much everything. If you just search my name, I've got the, the name on everything except TikTok. It's Joe Kilgallen comedy. Some twerp from Ireland took my original name and, <laughs> um, and the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Joe Kilgallen and Lockdown Cubs. 
A huge thank you to Joe Kilgallen, uh, just making me feel better as an A's fan in general, because his team's also been uh, going through it. Uh, as After we recorded, his team got their much-needed win. They are now on a one-game winning streak. The A's ended up losing to the Astros again so yay uh so tomorrow i got another episode for you guys uh assuming that i don't throw my computer and my recording device just like through a window because the a's got swept by the astros but uh assuming that that does not happen then there will be another episode for you guys tomorrow i'll be talking about uh, (laughs) the a's and their struggles or maybe they turned it around and they're gonna go on a four game win streak and head into the break like that and uh, we'll see what happens but that's what we got coming up for you guys tomorrow so uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you like hearing podcasts. Follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter and in the Spotify Green Room app. I will be live at 11 a.m. if you listen to this beforehand for uh, Thursday's game going against the Houston Astros. So come just talk about the A's. We could talk about trades. We can do whatever. Um, so you can do that. Also, uh, email us any questions that you guys got to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. But that's all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Oakland. And I will talk at you tomorrow. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.